Welcome to the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast, where we cut through the confusion and get down to the truth about what really works for real people when it comes to losing weight, having incredible health, and a body that you love. We believe that losing weight is really about gaining life, doing things you never thought you could, having renewed confidence, and enjoying your body more than ever. I'm your host, Corey Little. Now let's get to it. Okay, today I have such a treat for you guys. Susan is with me, and Susan is the first and only person up to this point that has not only done one interview for the Real Life Weight Loss Podcast, but is now doing her second interview. Just in case you want to catch up, her first interview was around episode, I think, number 175. The title was How to Lose Weight and and Reduce Stress Around Food When You're a Perfectionist. And just Susan would happily tell you she's a perfectionist or recovering perfectionist. And so if you connect with that at all, definitely go back, check out episode 175. But first, you can listen to this episode if you'd like, because some of you may be thinking, well, you've already interviewed Susan. Why are you having having her on the podcast again? Here is why. Because Susan had achieved some pretty tremendous success when we did that podcast interview about a year, year and a half ago. And she's achieved even more success. And I want all of you to see different people at different phases throughout this journey, this journey of not only losing weight, but this journey of overcoming the bully in our brain and this just journey of life. We're not static beings, my friends. We morph and change and grow and progress and regress and do all sorts of things. And so I just thought it would be great for you to get to hear from Susan again. And also Susan is, has just kind of graduated and decided that she's ready to leave the inner circle. And so that's another big moment in her life that I'd like for her to share some things about. So before I kind of shift things over to Susan, let me give you guys a quick preview here. We are going to talk about the scales and our relationship with the scales. We're going to talk about belief and how important belief is and believing in yourself and borrowing other people's belief. We're going to talk about the bully in your brain, how powerful that can be and the ups and downs of this whole process. We're going to talk about all those things. And Susan's story is going to be incredibly powerful, but I'm really excited for you to hear it because her goal was a little different than just weight loss. That's one thing that's really huge and that I really want everyone to key in on. Another thing is that Susan has been going through this process for so long. She's achieved her goal, yet she would tell you that I achieved my goal, but maybe life isn't necessarily perfect. So you're going to get to hear a very real life view of what success looks like and feels like. And she's going to tell you what her journey's like. So let's do it. Without further ado, let's jump into it. How are you today, Susan? I'm doing well, Corey. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be the first uh, second time podcaster for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I knew I, I knew I had to uh, have you on again because I just know you have so much wonderful stuff to share. So, so let's start by just sharing this. And just in case anyone missed your first episode, when you joined the Inner Circle Coaching Group about two and a half years ago, you told me your primary goal. And what was your primary goal? My goal was to defeat the bully in my brain because at that point I had um, gotten to my goal weight, which is no longer a term that I use because I've heard you talk about that enough. So I no longer have a goal weight. Um, but at that point I was at my goal weight, but I didn't know how I could stay there. And my I felt like the bully was so strong in my brain at that point that I wanted to figure out how can I for the long term 
learn how to defeat the bully and move forward um, and not be so hung up on every aspect of food and, and exercise. So you, you maybe kind of said it right there, but if you can try to transport your brain now back to your brain two and a half years ago, what did defeating the bully in your brain mean to you then? Like, what did you envision that would feel like or be like at that point? I don't think I could even envision what that would look like back then. I was so used to going through a cycle of you eat food and you eat too much of it and then you feel terrible about yourself and then you beat yourself up. So then you go, okay, I'm going to get motivated and get on some fancy diet. There's got to be something new and fancy out there that I can do that's shiny. Um, and then try that new diet or exercise program or whatever. I love buying exercise programs and then try them and it's going to fix everything in my life. And then you do it and then you can't do it perfectly. So you quote unquote fall off the wagon. Also something I don't say anymore, but um, the, you, you know, you go through all of that and then the cycle repeats itself. And then, so I started just kind of being so frustrated with what do I eat? And every time I ate something, I felt bad about it for one way or the other. And I just felt just frustrated with the whole process. And I thought it's never going to change. Like there's nothing I can do to break out of the cycle because I have tried so many times and I've failed so many times. Like this is impossible for me to get better. Other people seem to have figured it out, but I cannot is how I felt then. So I don't even think I had any picture in my brain of what it could possibly look like for me have like a normal relationship or a healthy relationship with my weight, food and exercise at that point. So that's beautifully said. So let me, let me kind of recap a few of those things to make sure I, I understand and everybody else is tracking as well. For you, a big part of overcoming the bully in your brain was establishing a healthy, happy relationship with food and exercise in your body. Yes. And please don't miss this. Everyone, listen, turn up, turn up the volume. Susan started this episode by saying, I had achieved my goal weight, a term which she doesn't use anymore, but she said, I had achieved my goal weight. So why in the world, why in the world did she need to do anything else, right? Like that's what, right guys, we, you achieve your goal weight and you ride off into the sunset and it's beautiful and you're happy and it's amazing. <clears throat> Wrong. Susan had achieved her goal weight using all of these ex exercise programs and diets one after the other, after the other. And she was still unhappy. She was miserable, even though she had achieved her goal weight. My friends looking a certain way or weighing a certain thing does not guarantee a mental state that you're going to like. We sometimes swallow those two things together thinking like, Oh, if I can only get this, then I'll get that along with it. And that does not always happen. Matter of fact, it rarely happens. And Susan was wise enough to go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> these aren't, these are connected, but not in a way that I want. So I need to pursue the mental side of this. And so her goal was very unique. Now she didn't want to, you know, gain a lot of weight throughout the process of improving mentally, but uh, she did want to focus on the mental side of things. So obviously Susan, probably back then the scales were a very big part of your life. Would you say Yes, I, I had my scale, like it was front and center in the bathroom. And I was one of those people who would weigh every single day, like without fail, every single day, same time of the day, 
make sure like all of the clothes are off, like take the glasses off, take the watch off. Like, did I go to the bathroom first? Like if I didn't go to the bathroom, maybe I should weigh again after I went to the bathroom because I'm sure it went down Um, that kind of mindset. And, you know, a lot of how I felt about myself depended on whether that number had gone up or down. And it was, I just thought that was normal. You know, that's, that's just how it is. You have to just keep fighting every single day with the scale um, to stay at, at a weight that you're happy with. Um, and that's just, that was just normal for me. That's so huge guys. She said, I thought that was just normal. How many of you are like, wait a minute, holy crap. That's not normal. <laughs> like there are people who don't do what Susan just described. There are people that don't step on the scale every day and allow it to, to judge them and to, you know, tell them how good or bad they are. That that's not normal. No, it doesn't have to be normal. I, I talked about this a few episodes back. One of the most powerful things that we can say to ourselves sometimes is it doesn't have to be that way. And Susan, whether she knew it at the time or not, she was kind of taking steps in that direction. So, so that was your relationship with the scales then, Susan. Um, what is your relationship with the scales now? Now, I think the first step was like, I put it in a place where it's a little bit hard to get to. And because I can be very lazy, it takes like, I have to move a bag to get to it. And then I just automatically, I'm like, I don't feel like doing that today. So I just started weighing less. Um, I also decided over time, again, I was in your program for two and a half years, but um, over time, I started weighing maybe about once a month, sometimes a little longer than that. Um, and then it became probably over the last um, six months or a year or so that I would only weigh myself on days when I knew that mentally I was in a place to accept whatever that number was. And that meant if it had gone up, I was okay with that. And if it had gone down, I was also okay with that. It was just a data point. It was like you say, how much force am I putting downward on the earth? And that's it. It doesn't mean I'm a good or bad person. It doesn't mean I'm a loser or a winner. It just means um, this is how much force I'm putting down on the earth today. So that means sometimes um, there are those days that you just feel fat um, and I would get on the scale then to, to punish myself for eating all that stuff over the weekend or whatever it is. So that, that punishment weigh in kind of thing was pretty common for me. I mean, I was weighing all the time, but part of that was to see like, look, look how much you, you gained and look how much, what a slob you ate so much over the weekend, that kind of feeling. Or like if I really starved myself the day before, not really starved, but I really ate super duper clean, then look how much the, the scale didn't go down what the heck you know like you get all mad about that too so there was you know all of that before now it's more like am I in a space to say whatever that number is I'm okay with it because I'm just going to take it as a data point and then move forward from here and adjust wherever I need to adjust but it doesn't have to be this crazy like judgment on my character and personhood <laughs> at that point um so now it's probably about once a month um and when I'm in a steady kind of emotional state where my eating has been kind of steady, where I'm not on my period, where, you know, those kinds of things are, are all things that I think about now because there's so many factors that make you gain a couple or, or lose a couple of pounds within the same week and stuff. So I just kind of modulated. And I mean, I went to the doctor the other day. I didn't even look at the number and I, 
I realized when I came home, like I didn't, I don't even know what the weight was. I I got distracted and and went off somewhere when when they did the weight, and that has never happened to me before. And I didn't care because I had I already knew what my weight has been over time, over you know once a month ish. So I knew that what it was, it wasn't going to be a surprise and it wasn't going to be a judgment. So I just I didn't even think about what the weight was uh, when I went. Oh my goodness. I think we could just say a big amen and wrap the episode <laughs> up right there because that is so, I believe Susan, you're at a place that so many people have a hard time believing even exist because the scales hold such a, you know, a dominant place in their life and in their mind. And, and, and I don't want anyone to miss this. Susan didn't just totally step away from the scales out of fear. She doesn't never weigh anymore again. She has a healthy relationship. It's one data point amongst many other data points. And it doesn't determine her worth. As she said, it, her personhood, it doesn't, doesn't, you know, judge or determine whether she's a winner or loser. It, you know, it's just, it's just one thing. And the story about going to the doctor, oh my gosh, Susan, that's so amazing. So, so, a, you know, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, would you say that you would have had anxiety about, about going to the doctor because you knew you had to step on the scales or was it not that big of a deal? Um, I think I, I definitely would. And um, I mean, I have anxiety about going to the doctor just because I have anxiety <laughs> about going to the doctor. That's just part of my personality. But specifically about going to the scales, it was always like, oh, they're going to weigh me and then they're going to put me on that chart of the BMI and it's mm. who knows where it's going to be then. And then like, I better make sure I wear the lightest clothes possible. Where's my tank top? Where's my shorts? Like I need to just like wear my flip flops and like just try to be as light as possible then and whatever and try to justify it. If they, as soon as they come and tell me something about my weight, I just have to be ready to justify it kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about it this time. So, so that's different for me. That's amazing. That's incredible. And, and, Guys, it's not just, if this is you, it's not just you. It's not just Susan. There are countless people in the coaching group who will jump in and, and make a post and, and and ask for help and guidance and coaching because they're like, hey, you know, Corey, I'm trying to do what you tell me. I haven't stepped on the scales in two weeks or whatever. And that's huge for me because I used to weigh every day or twice a day, but I have a doctor's appointment, you know, two days from now. And I know they're going to weigh me. And like, I am so freaking out and I'm worried it's going to spin me off in a negative direction. So for people to have that experience, which is probably similar, somewhat similar to what Susan described from a few years ago, to move from that to where Susan was like, I don't even know what I weighed because I I didn't think about it. I didn't look at the number. It wasn't even a big event in her life. That's so incredible. So amazing. Okay. Um, and just one last thing. Susan talked about a punishment weigh-in. That's something that I've talked about a little bit on the podcast. We talk about it a lot in the group. We have this crazy habit, us us human beings have this crazy habit of wanting to like, we, we will say, we'll phrase it in some way of like, oh, I, I want to, I need to check the damage. Oh, I really, I really went off the rails this weekend. Oh, I really ate too much. Oh, I was on vacation, you know, last week. Oh, I need to check the damage. And so as soon as we get finished with a period of life where we should have been enjoying the crap out of ourselves. As soon as we get finished, instead of saying, well, you know, my weight will be kind of temporarily, artificially high for a few days. So I'll just let that settle back down to normal and I'll touch base with the scales later. Instead of saying that, what do we do? It's like we intentionally want to 
you know, jab ourselves. And so we step on the scales just basically to make ourselves feel bad. And so I call that a punishment way in, and we do not do that. We don't do that inside the inner circle coaching group. I encourage all of you to not do that as well. So, okay. Scales, massive strides. They are not a big issue in Susan's life anymore. And she's healthy and fit and wonderful and loves life. Now let's, let's move forward because, and, and the reason we're going over these things, guys, these specific things, the scales, belief, the bully is because these were all a big part of Susan's journey. And these are areas where she noticed significant changes and significant progress that led to a, uh, honestly a significantly different life in a bunch of ways. So belief, Susan, and when I say belief, believing in yourself and your ability to change all of these things, where were you? Where are you now? What's changed? How's it all going? Yeah, I, at the beginning, I definitely did not believe in myself in this area at all. And I have accomplished some things in life. And, you know, you work hard at it, you learn it, and you do well at it. And that's great. But I felt like this area of my life was just something I like, is just physically, emotionally, mentally, something that is impossible for me to do. So I didn't believe it. I started listening to your podcast. And at the end, you always say that little, you know, like, don't let your scale define your where you say it better than I'm saying it now. But <laughs> don't let your scale define who you are, you're more than the number. And if you don't believe in yourself, don't worry, I believe in you and you can borrow my belief. And I'll come keep coming back. I'll keep working on you, you say. So and I always thought, oh, that's cute. But that's not a thing, Corey. Like, that's, you know, it's nice, but it's not actually real. But that's real cute. So that's kind of how I thought of it. And then when I joined um, the inner circle, and when I did the podcast last year, I did have a whole lot more peace of mind overall about the bully. Um but I don't think I still believe and And the, the check-in point was always every six months, you get the email from Jackie saying, are you going to renew your, your inner circle membership? And that was always sort of the check-in of like, am I ready? Should I stop or should I keep going? And every time I was like, I don't, I'm, I can't stop yet. Cause I just, I can't, I can't do it yet. I can't, if I leave my whole life is going to explode and I'm going to gain 150 pounds. Like, you know, that was sort of always in the back of my head. And then over the past, I would say six months to a year or so, I was kind of like seeing like, you know what, I think, I, I think the thing is that when we listen to your podcast, and people who haven't met you are probably like, is this guy for real? Like, he always says these things. And he seems really nice. And then he says he believes in me, but it's because he doesn't know me, he doesn't know how messed up I am and how bad I am at this. If he really knew me, then he'd be like, oh, actually not you. Like, you, you know, like that's how you feel when you're listening. Um, but then when I joined the group, I was like, oh, my gosh, what you listen to is like what you get with, with Corey Little. Like he's kind of the same um, on the podcast as in the coaching group. Like um, and and he really believes in people like you, you really care about people and you really believe because not just because you think that we're great and you're kind of deluded, but because you've seen it happen over and over and over again. You've worked with so many people from all different walks of life and you've seen, you know, adjustments that need to be made um, for different needs and everything. And then you see that it works. And so you can use that experience as a backup to say like, yes, I actually believe in you. And um I started thinking, well, maybe there is something, maybe it's not just cute. Maybe like there is something to this whole, like borrowing his belief idea. So I'm like, if Corey believes in me, 
then maybe I can start believing in myself. And I sort of started to adopt it. I don't even know if it was a conscious thing over the past year or so of just like, maybe I can believe in myself. And I would listen to your podcast. I'd listen to the the master your mind, like the self-talk things in the group and things like that, that you recorded. Cause I was like, I need Corey's voice to tell me that I'm got to do this kind of a thing. But it actually like, it starts to ingrain in your brain of like, and I can hear your voice saying those things to me. And it eventually starts to become more of my own voice of saying like, I actually can do this. And, and, and you sort of have this um, time to look back and say, you know, I did go through all these things and I did adjust and I did figure it out and I did move forward and I, I did get better. So if I did it then, then I can keep doing it now kind of a thing. And so I, I feel like I did start borrowing your belief and then I started believing in myself. And now at this point, I decided I am ready to to leave the group um, because I do believe that whatever happens, this area of my life with diet and exercise is something that I can manage now. And if I can't, I'll be back. It's okay. <laughs> like You know, that that sort of thing is always there too if I need it. But if if not, I do believe that I have the, the skill and ability now to, to move forward and, and do it on my own now. So that's where things have changed. Mm. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So I interviewed Diane, uh, Diane a few episodes back. And she said that when she was listening to the podcast, she thought I was just some shyster, right? And then <laughs> here Susan is, and she's like, you know, he says this stuff at the end of each episode. And I'm like, oh, that's cute, Corey, but that's not real. That doesn't exist. You know, like, no, come on. And and Susan, here's something I don't want any of you to miss. She very quickly and briefly went over, kind of, you know, glossed over something she said, you know, I've, I've I've achieved some things in life, but like I just was convinced I couldn't be successful in this area. And she's being very humble. Like Susan went to a very prestigious college. She has a, an advanced degree and she's, a, she's an incredible professional. Like she has achieved a lot in life, a lot. And I know that some of the rest of you out there, you look at another area of life. Maybe it's your family and your children. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your academic life, whatever. And you go, I am... I'm successful here. Like, I'm really good at this. Why, why am I not good at weight loss? Like, why can I not take care of my own health? Like, what is going on with me? Guys, gals, it's not just you, my friends. It's not just you. This is this is something that is 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 commonplace. And Susan just described it. And the and, and the, the really heartbreaking thing about that is we see this area of life where we struggle. And as Susan's pointed out, we start to believe we can't be successful. And so you can say we have a total lack of belief, but really it's that we're believing in the opposite, right? We're believing in something that's incredibly limiting. We're believing that we don't have what it takes. We have the belief that we can't do it. We have the belief that we'll never figure it out and we'll never be successful. And so maybe, and I should maybe do an entire episode on this, Susan, because I'm so happy you didn't ask me like, so Corey, what do you mean when you say you can borrow my beliefs? Like, how does that work? Because I think I could articulate it, but it might take me a minute to go through it. But maybe what I mean by that is this. And Susan, you 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 really summed it up beautifully. Like, maybe what I mean is that I know what works. 
And I've seen it, as you said, I've seen it with so many other people. And I believe that you can do the things that it takes. And if typically, if someone comes into the process and they're willing to be open and they're willing to be coachable, which Susan was, except for starch free dinners. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, with, no, Susan was. Susan was absolutely open and coachable. And if that is there, then we have a, I hate to phrase it this way, but we have a mold, moldable piece of clay, right? It's not, the clay isn't hardened. And some of you may think, no, my clay is hardened. Like I'm stuck. I'm done. And that is not the case. We are always growing and shifting and changing and morphing. And then here's the other thing. Susan said, I don't want anyone to miss this. She was like, I needed Corey's voice in my head. And then she said this. And eventually it started to become my voice. My friends, we are all being led and coached and guided and stewarded. However you want to say it, we are all being influenced tremendously by someone or some people in our lives, whether you want to be or not, whether it is intentional or not. And this is why I try to make it a point. I, I like to use the phrase, pump in the good stuff. You, we need to be intentional about choosing who is leading us, choosing who is coaching us, choosing who we're going to listen to. And if we don't, then there's just a bunch of noise coming in and it is molding and shaping our viewpoints and our beliefs and our brain. And so maybe when it comes to borrowing belief and starting to believe in ourselves, the first step for many of us is just becoming very intentional about who we're following and who we're listening to and what we're pumping into our head. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the ups and downs and, and um, cause a lot of people may hear this episode and they may be like, you're like, Oh, like you're in this angelic state, right? Where everything's perfect and nothing, nothing bad happens and the scales don't dominate your mind and the bully in your brain is totally gone. So shed some light on, on the process and the ups and downs. Yeah. Um, like you talk about how there's life stress and there's life altering stress and how life stress, stress is just sort of the normal day-to-day -day kind of irritations of life where life altering stress is sort of something that really kind of derails things over a prolonged period of time. Um, and I feel like the time that I was in this group and maybe for many years now, it's been one life altering stress after another that's kind of um, been in my life. And I feel like every time I'd kind of tell you like, oh, this is what's happening. You'd be like, Susan, that's life altering stress. And I'd be like, is it? But I'm not like eating really great. And you're like, that's because this is like totally derailing and it's normal. And so I had to learn that um, probably first to categorize stress correctly in my life so that I'm aware of how to deal with it. Like a regular day-to-day -day irritation, you just kind of ride through it. But if it's a really big life-altering stress thing, you have to give yourself a lot more grace in those time periods to kind of hold on to a few habits that really work and that are pretty easy um, and kind of keep you stable. And then the rest of it, you can kind of just let yourself go and give, not let yourself go, like just eat the whole world and everything, but you know, like to, to give yourself the grace to say like, this is a particularly difficult time in my life. And just so that people know, like, um, I'm sure lots of people have harder things than me, but 
when I first came into the group, I was recovering from having three miscarriages. I had tried to enter the foster to adopt system. We had had our first foster child. It was a very stressful experience for everybody involved. <clears throat> and I wasn't um, super uh, happy with that whole situation. And it resulted in some medical issues for me. Um, and then the dealing with that from that point of like, oh my gosh, I might never have children. Um, and the kind of heartbreak and everything that goes along with that. Um, there were family major illnesses. There were um, my own major illnesses. There was a period of like a month where I couldn't even get out of bed. Um, and I was like holding the walls, trying to walk around the house and things like that. Um, there were devil cats. I, I adopted two <laughs> kittens and anybody who knows uh, adopting a puppy or kitten like that can be a really stressful life-altering event and people would like they were attacking me constantly and so so anyway there were a lot of those sorts of like ups and downs throughout the past two and a half years but it was learning how to say okay it, it's not that I ignore my health um during this time and I wait till life becomes easy because life is never going to be easy it's hard for everybody but in those really crazy times, are there a few things I can hold on to and still kind of maintain my sanity? And then once those really stressful things kind of settle out a little bit, then I can go back to things that are a little bit more challenging in those stressful times and, and get back on track of like really focusing on what I'm eating more and things like that. So, um, and I don't eat perfectly. Like I, I, I don't know, had potato chips today and that wasn't planned. But like, it's not, you know, I don't sit there and go like, I don't beat myself up for it anymore. It's sort of a like, okay, we did that. Now it's sort of a more of a straightforward, like, okay, if I don't want to do that again next time, what am I going to change in advance to prevent it from happening? Or how can I change it so that it, what can I change before it happens so that I don't repeat that if I don't want it to happen again? So it becomes much less about the drama of like beating myself up and being emotional about it. And it becomes a lot more of like, okay, so these are the facts of the case. And this is how I'm going to, um, I'm going to try to do it better next time. And then I try to do better next time. And sometimes I do better and sometimes I don't. And I would say now that my weight is, when I first joined, I actually gained more weight, probably gained about 10, 15-ish pounds. And then now I'm somewhere in the middle of like that goal weight to where I am now. And I'm, I'm happy where this is. I could go back to the goal weight if I want to. I don't really want to do all that stuff to get there. Um, you know, I like I like um, where life feels a lot more balanced to me at this point. So I'm I'm cool with where this is. But it doesn't mean that I'm only eating salad with no dressing and chicken that's boiled with no seasoning. You know, like I don't, that's not what I'm eating all the time, um, but I'm okay with that. So let's let no one miss what just kind of slipped in there. Susan just said she was at her goal weight, which is what everyone wants. And she was miserable. And then now here she is. She's six, seven pounds up from your goal weight. Yeah. Which don't get it twisted, my friends. If you've not done the mental work, if you're not in a place similar to where Susan is and you are at your goal weight and you gain six or seven pounds, it is going to haunt you. It is going to totally steal your joy. 
and drive 100% of your behavior, six or seven measly pounds, six or seven measly pounds over your goal weight. It will destroy you mentally. But instead of that, Susan is at a, such a place of peace and I hate to call it mental control, but really there's to some element, that's what it is. Susan's not getting constantly jerked around by her emotions and by a strong emotional mindset. She's at a place of mental peace and control. So she can go, you know what? Yeah, I'm six pounds up, but like, let's see. And don't, don't miss this because she's at a place of calm. She can look rationally at the situation and say, yeah, I could get that. I could lose that weight. I could get down to that goal weight again. Eh, but it's not really worth it. And she said such, she made such a beautiful statement. Things are in balance. She's at such a more balanced life now. And she's still healthy and she enjoys her life. And she eats potato chips and she doesn't freak out. Can you imagine that? Oh my goodness. It's such a powerful thing. So, sorry, one that was that whole last five or 10 minutes was just so powerful, Susan. You also shared about life-altering stress versus life stress. And we literally just did a coaching call earlier today. Susan has graduated from the group. She's not in the group right now, so she doesn't know this, but literally Susan, an hour before you and I spoke, there was a newer uh, person in the group and she said, you know, I'm, I'm quickly realizing that one of the most beneficial things that I'm going to learn is how to differentiate life stress from life-altering stress. And she said something that was so powerful. I may do an entire episode on it. She said, I realized that I used food to cope with stress and suddenly everything was stressful for me. I was making everything stressful and it's like this huge light bulb went off for her. And it's so true. Like if we connect what we perceive as delicious fun food with stress, then we'll seek out stress in order to have to justify having the delicious fun food. Now, I'm not saying that's what Susan did, but like that kind of backwards mentality can creep in before we know it. And then the other thing that Susan said earlier that is so profound that I don't want anyone to miss. Um, she said, you know, there were periods of her life where she was, you know, incredible, in like life altering stress, right? Where things were incredibly tough for her and she developed the skill to go, okay, I'm going to basically maintain things just enough. And then when life slows down, I'll kind of get back to, you know, striving for some more progression. But here's what I don't want any of you to miss. And this is prop, Susan, you can let me know, but I think this is was Susan's experience prior to all of this, prior to all of the incredible mental work that she's done. For so many of us, the exact moments in life when we should give ourselves extra grace, the exact moments of life when we should enjoy vacation, a holiday weekend, whatever, those exact moments of life, when life's really, really tough or when life's really celebratory, a wedding, whatever, when we should be enjoying ourselves or we should be giving ourselves grace are the exact moments when the bully in our brain will get the loudest and we will beat ourselves up the worst. It's just somehow, for some reason, the way our brain works. And part of the work to be done is to, to chip away at that to kind of dig into it and rewire it so that when we should be giving ourselves grace, we are. And then the times when we shouldn't be seeking out stress just to eat, we don't. And it's just a process and it just takes some time. So um, yeah, anything anything else related to, to all of that good, stressful stuff, Susan? No, I mean, I think that as a perfectionist, I can probably speak for a lot of perfectionists that that grace aspect of it is um, really difficult 
for us. Mm. And part of it is like part of what I accomplished in life is because of being hard on myself, right? Like if you don't push yourself, like you don't want a doctor that's just kind of like, well, I'm tired. So I'm just going to not study or I'm just going to not take care of you. You know, like you, you want somebody who can push through that, but when it's taken to an extreme or taken to other areas of too many areas of life, um, you start to not know how to say, how to just be nice to yourself when, when you know that if your friend were going through the same thing, you'd be like, of course you can take a nap. Of course you can, you can eat that. Of course you can rest. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And I often think about how you say before that, whatever thing that you're struggling with, before that happens, you should kind of try to be strict with yourself. But once you haven't done it the way that you plan to do it, that's the time to be gracious to yourself and be kind and reevaluate and then go do it again. And so it, it's continuously, I think, for the rest of my life, going to be something that I have to keep working on and saying, like, when can I give myself grace and when should I push myself a little harder? Um, but at, the pushing myself harder is natural to me. Mm. The beating myself up is natural to me. The, the giving myself grace and kindness is is very unnatural. So it's something that I have to kind of be cognizant about and and, and try to be um what's the word like just being very focused on it and do it like intentionally mm -hmm. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys are kind of getting a little bit of a sneak peek inside the group and inside the program with a lot of the stuff that Susan and I are talking about. And like she said, part, so part of what we do is, and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, we have kind of two primary personality types, punish, punisher and pretender. And what's really important is when you begin this process to identify if you're a punisher or if you're a pretender, and then that helps me to better coach you based off of what, like Susan just said, her inclination is to punish. Her inclination is to be harder on herself. So she knows she needs to tend more towards grace. She needs to be, to watch out for the, for the punishing thoughts, for beating herself up and to move more towards grace. And for someone else who's a pr pretender, it's totally different, right? P typically, to achieve more of an overall balance and move to really great, healthy, mental, emotional space, punishers need to be a little more like pretenders and pretenders need to be a little more like punishers. And that just helps us to achieve a really great balance in the middle. And so that's one of the big things that Susan's done and Susan's worked to. I can't tell you how many times throughout the past two, two and a half years, Susan's been in the group and there would be a times in life, like she talked about where things were crazy and stressful and really hard. And she would jump in with a post and she would be so beating herself up. And we were like, Whoa, like, Holy cow, you know, like let's, let's take stock of where you are. And that's the power, my friends of a group. That's the power of coaching. That's the power of someone outside of you, outside of your sphere speaking truth and love and influence into your life when maybe you can't see things quite so clearly because you are under tremendous stress or you are in a really sticky spot in life. So um, it, it can be really helpful in that regard. Now let's, let's move forward, Susan. Um, when you joined the group, you wanted to overcome the bully in your brain. You were at your goal weight. You were miserable. When you were moving through, when we did the first, interview around maybe the one year mark of you being in the group, give or take just a little bit. Uh, you had 
a lot more peace of mind. Um, but you didn't really believe in yourself. Like you were still pretty dependent on us, on me, on the group and really helping you kind of hold things together, if you will, for lack of a better phrase. And now here you are two and a half years later. And where would you say you are now? I would say that um, there is a lot more, there's more peace and there's more belief for sure in myself and in this area of life. And what I also noticed is that the bully doesn't, I think that everybody kind of looks for a silver bullet or some, some quick fix, right? So if I could say like, okay, I've been fixed now, thank you very much. And I will never struggle with this again. Like, I think that's very unrealistic because you, you notice as the bully gets better in this area that he or she migrates to other areas of life. And so, um, yes, I don't struggle as much with food and, and exercise like I used to. And so then I noticed that my brain space naturally starts to, then the bully starts going more towards other things to, to latch onto and, and make me struggle with. And so I think that part of this is realizing like it's doable to work on it and things do get better but we can't and I can't expect that things will be perfect or that one thing, one piece of advice is going to fix everything. Um, it's more that it's going to be a process. As long as I'm here on this earth, it's going to be a process. There's always going to be something to work on and get better at. And that's okay with me now where I think before, because of the whole perfectionism thing, you just kind of feel like, well, if I can just get to the finish line, um, and then I'll be good. I think I probably thought back then, if I graduate from this program, I'll be set for the rest of my life and it'll be fine. Um, now I feel like, okay, I took myself out of the program. It doesn't mean I'm better or worse than anybody else that's still in or that, that left. It's that I think I can do it on my own now. And then we're going to adjust as I keep living through this life. And if that means coming back, I will. If it means, you know, re-listening to things, then I will. Um or changing what I'm eating, things like that. It's going to require adjustment and not just in this area, but in multiple areas of my life now where if the bully is starting to invade, I have to be able to recognize it and start working in that, that area too. So um, I think my just mind has sort of expanded to different areas that the bully can affect and how I can be better in those areas as well. So good. That ladies and gentlemen sounds to me, like someone who has gained tremendous skills, S-K-I-L-L-S, tremendous skills. Susan, when you share that, I can't help but think of what I call the arrival myth. We have this thought, this idea, this belief that like, and, and you nailed it, right? We, we want, we want the pill. We want the, just explain it to me so that I understand. And then I'll be fine. Give me the pill. Give me the silver, you know, the, the magic bullet, whatever. And we believe we'll arrive. I'll do this. I'll do steps one through 10. And when I get to step 10, I'm finished and I've arrived and I'm done. And I talk about it on the podcast, like changing our life, changing our brain, losing weight, all of these things. It's not like getting a degree in college where you do four years and you're finished and you have your degree and no one can take it away from you. That's an entirely different process and experience. This is learning the skills to manage your brain and manage your life and the more you do it, the easier it gets and the more automatic parts of it get. And probably, honestly, Susan, if we could really go back in time to when you first joined the group, it would have been really cool to do if we would have gone back and 
you pulled up some of your first posts in the group, you know, and like yeah. juxtaposed <laughs> it to now, but like, you know, if we could really flash back like they do in the movies to the Susan, then, you know, two and a half years ago and the Susan now, it would probably absolutely blow your mind how far you've come and how much more peace you have. And, and, and also the skills that you've ingrained that are just almost automatic now in the way you manage your thoughts and the way you manage your mental space in your life. Um, it would probably just really blow you away. And so I'm just, Oh, I'm thrilled. Now, let me, let me make one thing very clear. It's because some of you may be like two and a half years. All right, Corey, like, I know I can't lose weight and achieve my dream body in six weeks. Like you've told me that. Okay. I get that. But like, dear God, man, two and a half years for real. Is that how long it takes? No, it's, it's different for everyone. Right. We just had two people graduate from the group and, and like, we, we don't keep We don't hold you against your will. You can stay as long as you want. You can leave whenever you want, but we just had two longtime members graduate, um, Susan and then an, another lady. And they both had very similar stories in that, they achieved success, what we would normally call success. Like they achieved a lot of progress. The other lady, you know, lost 30 or 40 pounds. Susan, that wasn't her primary goal. She didn't want to lose 30 or 40 pounds, but they both achieved a lot of success early on, you know, within six months or a year, but they were both wise enough to know, wait a minute. I don't want to just revert back to what I've always done. I really want to ingrain this. And I really truly want to change my life once and for all. And so they decided to hang around. And I think, I may be interviewing the other lady at some point. I don't, I don't want to share her name now in case she prefers not to be named on the podcast, but um, she had been in the group around, I want to say maybe around two and a half or three years also, Su Susan. And um, it's just oftentimes my friends and all of you know this because think about some other area of your life. Typically anything that we want to do really well, it just always takes longer than we anticipate. And we spend the majority of our life, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, we spend the majority, 50, 60, we have people in the group who are in their 70s and 80s. We spend the majority of our life ingraining certain beliefs, certain thought patterns, certain food habits, and exercise or lack of exercise habits and routines, right? We, we ingrain those for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and then we want to undo it all in two months or three months. And it's just, it doesn't have to take 40 years to undo it or redo it all, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And so Susan, you are a beautiful shining example of that. And I really appreciate everything you've shared. Now, before we wrap this up and we might've talked about this on episode number one, but I want to, I would love for you to share it if you don't mind, because I think a lot of people will be able to connect with it. Would you mind telling us about being angry full or mad full? I always get the term wrong. <laughs> Yes, it's angry fool. Um, I think I first coined the phrase to myself when I had gone to an all-you-can-eat buffet with like my youth group or something back in the day. Um, and I wanted to get my money's worth. And so I ate and ate and ate. And, and when I got in the car to leave, I was so stuffed that I was just mad just at the world I was mad at everybody not um not even just at myself I was mad at everybody because I was so full and so when it when you kind of eat till we're you're like so stuffed I call that being angry full and um I might occasionally get there but it's a lot more rare now <laughs> that I ever get to that point because <laughs> usually when you're you're eating like that you're not paying attention you're um trying to stuff some kind of emotion um and so uh, now I try to be more 
cognizant of like I'm getting to that I'm getting to that like simmering mad kind of place and I will stop before I get to angry full. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there were times in the past, I think I remember interactions, whether it was on coaching calls or in the group via po different posts, where you would say like you almost would intentionally eat to that point. Is is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, at times I would eat to almost, I mean, that's, it's pretty extreme when I'm angry full, but um, sometimes I would try to get to that point because either I, I knew that I would feel like stop feeling whatever I was feeling, whether mm -hmm. it was stressful or sad or upset or whatever. Um, sometimes I would do it because I didn't know when I was going to be able to eat again. So when I was training and things, um, and I'm on a 30 hour shift, I might not eat. I, I might not eat dinner until 11 o'clock at night. I probably won't eat again until the afternoon the next day. Um, and so the, the meals that I did get, I would try to stuff myself as much as I could to make it last as long as I could. And so I think that's hard for people that are on a schedule that's not regular like that. Um, now it's, since my schedule is regular now, now it's more about like, if I get to that point, it's because I'm trying to not feel something. So um, it's, I think, hard to get to that. I'm again, not perfect with this, but to get to a point where like you're for so many years, I've used food as that emotional touch to get to a point to say like, okay, hold on. Like, why is this happening? And sometimes I can say, why is this happening? Slow down, stop. And then think about it and like, deal with the feeling or sometimes I just eat and then afterwards I think about okay so what just happened there <laughs> and then you unwrap it afterwards and try to to help manage it better for next time and stuff but yeah I think for all of us that struggle with weight like the emotional aspect of it is if not all of it it's like a huge part of why we eat the way that we do right and so um, trying to get a handle on that and, and recognizing it and asking the questions. Like, I know that a lot of people in the coaching group might get frustrated that you always ask why, why, why are you feeling that way? Then go to the next level and why? And you're like, oh, I don't know, Corey. But then like, if you, if you can sit and really think about those things and try to uncover the whys and the feelings and sit with the feelings and deal with the the traumas and all that kind of stuff, I think it helps to make it easier to deal with the food issues as well. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, this has been, I don't even know how long we've been going, but this has been just a bunch of goodness, a bunch of amazing stuff. So let's, let's put a bow on it with this. And this is similar to one of the questions I asked you in the first episode. So you can do a slightly different version if you like, but what would you like to share if the 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 three year younger than you, Susan Chu, was still out there listening, or there there's someone out there, Susan, I guarantee you, who's listening to this episode, and right now maybe they have tears in their eyes, or they're like feeling like maybe for the first time in forever they feel seen and heard because like they're like, yes, I identify with so much of what Susan shared. So, what would you like to share with? the three year ago version of yourself or that other person who's just out there really struggling and identifying with a lot of what you've talked about? I think I would tell my old self, like, it's okay. You know, like relax. It's okay. It's going to be okay. 
and um, it's you can you can do it even though you feel like you can't I know you feel like you can and you've proven to yourself that you can't you can do it and if you you can reach out to people for help whether that's Corey and, and the group or other people um, but find help in the place that it's actually helpful like the people that I guess this is not one thing anymore. I'm I'm expanding it to like go go for it. A whole bunch of things, but like you're you're, board, I you're used bordering to always... on you're bordering on telling them that they can borrow your belief. I'm waiting for those words to come out of your mouth. Okay, <laughs> then I will definitely throw them in. <laughs> but, but like I feel like as people are struggling with diet and exercise and weight, there are so many people in throughout life that you're like oh, I'm having trouble with this. And they say, oh, well, just do this. Just do cut out the carbs. Oh, just like um, do the intermittent fasting thing. Oh, when I went gluten-free, I lost all this weight. And, and, and they all seem to, everybody else seems to have this magical potion that they drink and it works for them and they're perfect from then on. And I was like, but that's not me. And I think as I've gotten through this process, it's like those quick fix solutions just are not the answer necessarily so finding um the way to work through it step by step small step by small step and you're going to get there and you can borrow my belief you can borrow Corey's belief <laughs> but um borrowing the belief does work and you can get to where you can believe in yourself and have that peace of mind again um and it's totally possible it's possible for me and I really didn't think it was possible and it's possible for anybody out there who's kind of like, but you don't know me and and maybe I don't, but I do know what it feels like to feel completely hopeless about things getting better in this area. And I know that it's possible to, to get out of that hole. Um, and so I would just encourage anyone to, to reach out for the help that, that they deserve and, and that they need and, and it will get better with that. Ah, Susan, you're amazing. Thank you so much for. Well, that's the other thing. You always tell us that we're amazing. And um, I was like, oh, he just says that. But he actually believes that we're all amazing. <laughs> and so you kind of have to keep that in your head, like Corey's voice in your head, because he'll always be like, you're amazing. You're so great. And he's not just saying it like he actually believes it. So you have to borrow that belief, too, of just like I I'm amazing. Like, but, but I don't, I don't, I don't, that's very kind of you. And I, I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression though. I call people out too. like, be honest about it. Yes. Like absolutely. I, I'm not just a bunch of like, you know, glossy candy coated positivity. Like, Oh, everyone's mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. Let's all just like smile and <laughs> yay. Like uh, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of known in the, Susan knows this for goodness sakes. I mean, she's been in there for quite, you know, quite some time. I believe that in order to true, and I talk about this on the podcast, I believe in order to truly love someone, you've got to tell them the truth. And if I'm sitting here from a coaching perspective and Susan's doing stuff that's absolutely sabotaging her and I see ways that I can help her and she's not going to like to hear it, I owe that to her because she's trusting me to help her. And so I'm not going to go, Susan, that's so stupid. I can't believe you did. It. I'm not going to present <laughs> it that way. But I owe her the truth, and I'm going to do it in the most loving and supportive and helpful way that I can. And then I'll tell her she's amazing at some point, you know, through the process. But um, but thank right. you. And, yes. 
Yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying is that like you're you are somebody that tells the truth. You're not going to hold back if we're doing something that is coach, you know, that we need to do better and stuff. But you actually it is the truth to you that you actually believe we're amazing. Um, and, and so like that is part of it to to believe that you're worth it enough to like go through this process and 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 take the help and do better, like all of that stuff. You have to borrow that belief too from you because like you actually believe that each of us is that amazing, you know, and you tell us when we're wrong too. It's true. <laughs> Even when you want to punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm circling back around to that exact same thing. Susan, you are amazing. And everyone else knows it now too, because you've done not one, but two <laughs> incredibly powerful and beneficial podcast episodes. So let me just say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. When Susan, I'll, I'll share this because we've had some, Susan and, I have had, Susan and I have had some fun with this behind the scenes, but when Susan shared her farewell um, post in the group, like, hey guys, you know, it's, it's been wonderful. I'm going to miss you all. I'm, I'm graduating. I'm leaving. She shared quite a bit in that post. And when I read it, it just kind of hit me a certain kind of way. And I'm not a I'm not a crier. Sometimes I wish I was a little more of a crier, but um, I'm not often. And so I read her post and it brought tears to my eyes. And I told her, I was like, Susan, I'm not a crier. And you brought tears to my eyes with your post. And so um, from the bottom of my heart, Susan, thank you for being such an amazing part of the Inner Circle Group for so long. Thank you for your trust. And thank you for your time today, for coming on again and sharing what I know will be so incredibly helpful for so many people. Thank you. And I am a crier and I cried when I wrote that post and it was my goal to not cry today in this podcast and I got through it. So I'm very proud of myself, but thank you for having me on and anybody who's still listening. Thank you for, for listening as well. <laughs>